Welcome to the Barnyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Hump Day edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. Another day closer to college football weekend. First road trip for the Bulldogs. We'll break down Memphis today. We'll look ahead a couple other things. Got some other things in relation to some proposed NCAA legislation that may be of interest to you. Got a great top 10 list. A great one. You know, one of the things that I think is kind of funny is there are a lot of people out there that have this perception that I am just an 80s rocker. You are absolutely incorrect. When the world is normal, I go to a show a month, most most months anyway, and go check out some new rock. I love live music. I know many of you do as well. I love checking out new bands. Or sometimes I'll hit this lull and I'm thinking, man, I wish I had a new band to really get excited about. I'm a serious octane listener most of the time. Or maybe that's not fair. I do listen to my own music on, on iTunes more times than not. But I do enjoy Sirius XM Octane. I think that is the best place to find new rock music. So today's top ten list will conclude our series on my first favorites of the last, you know, 50 years. Kind of dates me a little bit. But uh, excited about the list today. A lot of new blood that I'm excited about. This list is very eclectic, too. There's a, there's a lot of range in this, in this list, and so look forward to sharing that with you. Also of note, the, um, the Mississippi State baseball program is now in fall baseball scrimmages. I know many of you turned out at Duty Noble last weekend to watch the reigning college baseball national champions go through the practice paces. It's a really cool thing. I'm so glad they opened it up. Last year, it was not open. Media had to had to kind of cover from the lofts. So the pictures were kind of skewed and kind of from a distance and at an angle. So this year is a little bit different. But Chris Lamonis and the crew doing a great job. I'm a big Chris Lamonis fan. I'll be honest with you guys, too. When uh, So when John Cohen got ready to hire a baseball coach, you know, we all heard, you know, listen, we're going to go out there. We're, we're Mississippi State. We're going to spare no expense. We're going to go chase some of the best coaches in college baseball. And we did. We did. Dan McDonald, of course, near the top of that list. Uh, Jim Schlossnagel, now currently the coach at A&M, was also on the list. A lot of, of rumors about Slosh. I remember many people that were trying to share with me, hey, it's going to be Slosh. This is the guy. We're waiting for this. And you know, I was being told from some people with knowledge of the search that it wasn't going to be Slosh, but it didn't stop you know, all this conversation. And then and then when it doesn't happen, people are like, oh, well, what went wrong? Well, nothing went wrong. It's just that your source was wrong. A lot of times people hear something, they continue to run with it, and things change, especially in coaching searches. I mean, who would have thought a few years ago we'd hired Rick Ray? You know, Mike Nemeth that works with us at jeanspage.com, Mike shared with me because he was part of that, that search with Scott Strickland that uh, it was very difficult because there was so much concern about, you know, Renardo Sidney and that sort of stuff. You know, you, you come in as a new coach, what's going to stop Renardo Sidney from going on, uh, you know, ESPN's outside the lines or something and saying some things that are detrimental to our program and uh, potentially uh, suggesting that there are some improper benefits, that sort of stuff. That was a real concern. You may recall Sidney sat out a while before he was uh, deemed eligible. Don Jackson the famed NCAA attorney out there, a guy that really specializes in eligibility cases. Currently, if I understand correctly, currently representing LSU running back John Emery. You may recall John Emery was a Mississippi State target 
under Joe Moorhead. He and Charles Huff both pursued Emory. It looked like Emory was going to commit to Mississippi State on his birthday, and then things changed. It's funny how things change. And then he didn't commit to LSU. He committed to Georgia. My contacts down on the bayou told me even then he's going to LSU. He's headed to LSU. And so as soon as there was a delay in his commitment to Mississippi State, all the folks down there in South Louisiana were chirping a little bit, saying, oh, he's going to be a Tiger. He's going to be a Tiger. He commits to Georgia, and everybody's like, well, Steve, maybe you got it wrong. You know what? Turns out I didn't, but things change in recruiting. It's a very inexact science. But now John Emery deemed ineligible. And it's interesting to watch the phrasing and all this. Like, if you see the quotes and sort of stuff, you know, some people suggested that John Emery took a wrong course during summer school and was now ineligible. Later, it was learned that wasn't the case. Now, all the details are not made public. Of course, there's FERPA. You may be familiar with that. What is it? The uh, Federal Education Something Protection Act. Anyway, it, it prevents universities and institutions of higher learning from revealing academic information about student athletes, and it should. But John Emery not available, and Ed Orgeron said earlier this week that he would not be eligible, and uh, I, I guess things could change. You know, with Don Jackson being involved, it, it, it appears to be an extreme case. If, if, if Jackson is involved in this deal, because he was also involved in the Jarrell Poe uh, deal with Ole Miss several years ago, he gets involved with very complex cases. And so he's, he's really kind of a, a big gun in the hired gun world when it comes to NCAA eligibility. So the fact that he's involved told me this is probably a little more complex. It also says that, uh, you know, John Emery and his folks not messing around. So we'll see how that, that progresses. You know, I, I don't know all the details behind it. Like all of you, I'm kind of getting up to speed on it. The thing about it is, is you know, anytime that there are these, um, you know, conversations about academic advisors and that sort of stuff, and, oh, well, they messed it up, you know, it's pretty rare for that to happen. I mean, it really is. And if I'm, if I'm at the LSU uh, academic advising area, there I'm probably a little bit miffed that I'm being kind of thrown under the bus here and you can't really defend yourself you can't come out and say oh no well this is really what happened you just got to kind of eat the heat there and so it'll be interesting to see what happens with John Emery Uh, speaking of Scott Strickland many of you read the article that uh, Ross Dellinger wrote here recently about the hiring of Dan Mullen I think Ross is a great reporter I mean it really is Ross one of us too and so I, I, I admire his work I admire his, uh, his ability to tell a story. There are times, though, that I know that, uh, you know, Ross gets, uh, gets some information, you know, leaked from sources. It's, I think sometimes people are just kind of floating stuff out there in hopes of getting some national coverage. And I think this legislation about the uh, NCAA scholarship uh, extension is maybe, maybe part of that. So we'll see how that progresses. But uh, I read that article, shared some insight over on jeanspage.com. I, there are a lot of people out there that have a very negative impression of Scott Strickland. In- incredibly negative impression of Scott Strickland. You know, Scott was here, did a good job for us, I thought. I mean, of course, the, you know, the Rick Ray hiring wasn't great. You know, the Vic Schaefer hiring was. There were a lot of people involved in that coaching search, too. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, you know, John Cohen actually involved with both the, uh, the interview process with Dan Mullen and Vic Schaefer, if memory serves me correct. You know, uh, so, but, you know, Scott did a great job as for us, especially as far as branding. You know, Scott also was a big part of the Cowbell Compromise. It allowed us to bring, uh, you know, Cowbells back to Davis Wade Stadium 
And so, you know, there are a lot of things out there, of course, the hiring of Dan Mullen, that is something that some people just feel that is completely unforgivable, that Scott would target Mississippi State's head coach. They talked about that some in the article, but here's the thing that I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate. Uh, Dan Mullen was not going to be your head football coach in 2018. He had already informed Dr. Keenum and John Cohen that he was going to take a job this year. As the FOIA request from the Tennessee coaching search kind of made the rounds, you know, all the Greg Schiano stuff, and there was even some discussions with Mike Leach. But the, the instant, really the issue there for us is that Dan Mullen was headed to Tennessee. There, there is absolutely no question about it. He was headed to Tennessee, and then all of a sudden the Chip Kelly thing falls apart at Florida. And if you're looking at, um, you're looking at it from Scott Strickland's point of view, relatively new AD, replacing Jeremy Foley, a guy in many respects is considered a legend in this conference. And so, um, so here's the deal. So you know, they, were, they were targeting Chip. They were targeting uh, Scott Frost. You know, Chip elects not to take the job, despite the fact that uh, his girlfriend came down and spent some time in Gainesville to kind of get a lay of the land. I don't know if Chip would have been the best fit at Gainesville anyway. Probably better off out on the West Coast. I mean, he's a little bit of a kind of an eccentric guy. I think probably he fits better out there. But, you know, but Dan Mullen was in contact with John Curry the week of the Egg Bowl. And then all of a sudden, Scott Strickland sees Chip Kelly pull out. Scott Frost uh, was expected to be the number two guy. That falls apart. And in the article, it shares that uh, Frost never called Florida back. And so if you're Scott Strickland, it's like, okay, I'm not getting Chip. And it looks like Scott Frost is cooling on us, pardon the pun. I can't mess this up. Yeah, you know, I got to go get a coach. And there's Dan Mullen out there, and you know Dan is leaving Mississippi State anyway. You know, you got to begin to think, okay, so what do you do? What do you do? And, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, the relationship between Scott Strickland and Dan Mullen wasn't especially chummy. I mean, it was awfully chilly at times. I mean, it was never a – I mean, it's not like they're best of friends. You know, there's some things that I guess we could share, you know, you know privately about some of that stuff, you know. But, you know, it wasn't exactly the best of times. And so I, don't, I can't imagine Scott Strickland was like – I'll fire it up and think, yeah, let, let me get some more Dan Mullen in my life after those years we had at Mississippi State. I think it was probably an easier move, uh, you know, for Dan because, you know, he had won, you know, back-to-back national championships there as an offensive coordinator. And I think at the end of the day, he wants to get to the playoff and have a chance to win a national championship as a coach. And the path to the playoff is much easier in the SEC East. His name's been mentioned recently in connection with the USC job, and I would suspect that getting to the playoffs probably even easier at USC – than it is in the SEC East. you got to deal with Georgia over here. The recruiting footprint for USC has always and will likely always be you know, very expensive. And so that, that might be something. You know? And here's the thing, too. We all kind of snicker to ourselves now because we've been through all this with Dan Mullen so many times. Was it 13 years, I guess, since he was here? Is that right? Maybe that's not right. But anyway, he's here a long time. But every year, just about every year, every year that he won – you know, we had to deal with this. Even some of the years that we did, and I remember I had discussions with Dan Mullen about, uh, you know, when he was mentioned in connection with Rutgers and Virginia Tech. And let's be honest, I mean, the Rutgers job is nowhere near as good as Mississippi State. And Virginia Tech, not even a lateral move. But Dan felt that it was good for Mississippi State's branding to have a head coach that was in demand. And one of the things that I told him, I said, well, coaching recruiting-wise, you know, a lot of people are using this against you to show that, you know, hey, the Dan Mullen's looking for any excuse to leave. It's not a stable situation at Mississippi State. He'll go anywhere. He can't wait to get out. And then when there's rumors out there, you know, floated by football scoop 
a, a company that was founded by Ole Miss, the brother of an Ole Miss lawyer, just so you know. Um, it's detrimental. They use it. They used it against us. And, you know, all's fair in love and war in recruiting, other than illegal inducements. But, you know, you know, people say what they want. People say, oh, you shouldn't negative recruit. You know, you, you're being a Pollyanna if you don't believe there's negative recruiting out there. There absolutely is. But you're like, hey, you know, you, you go to Mississippi State, but I don't know if Dan Mullen's going to be there next year. That's every year we had to deal with all that stuff. And so when we hear this stuff that Dan's connected with USC, you kind of begin to ask yourself, is this, is this more agent play to get more money out of Florida? Because Dan Mullen's an expert at that. You know, he'll hold you hostage for sure. I remember talking to Les Kenning when all that stuff was kind of bubbling up before. And he goes, you know, Steve, that's just the business, man. I mean, Dan Mullen's got to do the, the best he can to get the best deal for himself, his family, and his staff. It's just kind of how things work. I didn't like it any more than you guys did. But it's part of the deal. And so you kind of laugh about that, and you wonder if that's really what's happening here. Because, listen, USC is not going to hire a football coach until the year's over with. Unless, you know, unless they go out there and get, uh, you know, talk Chris Peterson into coming back into coaching. You know, but if they're, if they're going to go hire a sitting head coach somewhere, even a coordinator, that's not going to be known for some time. Goodness, we're only two weeks into the season, and a major domino has fallen in the coaching carousel. And so what does that mean? I know I've read some of these silly reports like, oh, well, Lane Kiffin, look, guys, Lane Kiffin's not going back to USC. And, and could you blame him after the way they treated him? I mean, everybody, it was a big joke, right? They fired him on the tarmac after a ball game. Why would he go back? You know, Kiffin, of course, California guy. You know, he kind of fits out there culturally, you know, but I can't see that happening. I know there's some Mississippi State people that are eager to see Lane leave, and it's got really nothing to do with Lane. You just want to see Ole Miss kind of squirm a little bit, and I, I get it. But anybody expecting him to leave for that job is probably kidding themselves. Of course, there's all this discussion down at LSU, you know, there's probably going to be a coaching change there. I spoke to a good friend last night, and we talked about how important these next two weeks are for the career of one Ed Orgeron. You got Central Michigan coming in this weekend. You think, ah, oh, you know, Steve, they'll, they'll win that game handily. I don't know if they will. I think they win the game, but what if they struggle this week? You know, Jackson Sermon, former Mississippi State defensive coordinator, Peter Sermon's nephew, Jackson Sermon, is the quarterback at Central Michigan. He originally signed with Washington and transferred to Central Michigan, doing a good job up there. So I could see the Chippewas hanging in there for a little bit. So let's say they struggle against Central Michigan and then they lose at Mississippi State. And listen, oh, we're going to get ahead of ourselves. I'm not coaching or playing. I can speculate all I want. I don't have to be locked in on Memphis. But what if he does? What if they struggle this weekend and you lose to Mississippi State and you're 2-2, two and two, four games in, and you haven't even got to the meat of your schedule? You don't think that there's going to be some reports that pop up linking Ed Orgeron to some things? You know, maybe perhaps they've kind of sat on some stuff just kind of in anticipation of this moment. Like, just in case, and we've got all this investigation going on. There's an NCAA investigation. Now there's an academic issue, and there's, there's the Title IX stuff. You don't think there's just something out there? There's not, there's not a trump card just kind of laying around somewhere, somebody's desk drawer, just waiting for the right time? Because they're going to probably get embarrassed by Alabama. they got to go up to Oxford and play up there. You know, LSU can run the football. LSU's kind of – Ed's found a way to beat Ole Miss, but let's say you lose those two ball games. I mean, you're looking at best an eight and four a year when, uh, you know, athletically you ought to be one of the better teams in the conference. And so these next two weeks are important. I, I could see a situation where Ed Orgeron could be fired midseason. I think we all see that. And I think LSU probably, probably could find a way to get out of that big buyout. I, I would suspect that's probably the case. 
So there's a lot of moving pieces to all this. There's a lot of things that are going on. There's a lot of, you know, it's already drama. You know, college football season just started, and we're already talking about, well, this guy's going to go here, this job's going to open up, and this is going to happen. It's crazy. The fact that this has already happened, listen, Chip Helton's a guy, too, that, uh, you know, probably was lucky to keep his job last year. And the fact that they fired him so quick just kind of goes to show you that within that administration, that decision was probably pretty close to being made last year. But they found a way to kind of carry him over. But back to the uh, the Strickland stuff. You know, there's, again, there's a lot of comments out there. There's a lot of strong opinions about the article. And I, I read one comment on Gene's page that said, uh, just reading that article makes me sick to my stomach. And I guess in many respects it does. I mean, it, you know, it's kind of like I guess you find out that, uh, you know, your wife or girlfriend is cheating and then you go back and you, know, you read those text messages and you just don't quite know how to handle it. I mean, it probably doesn't rise to that same level, but it's that same nausea, right? To hear Mississippi State alum Scott Strickland talking about hiring Mississippi State's coach, it's a little unsettling. It really is. Even in hindsight, you read that, and it's like, man, this is, this is not a good situation here. Strickland said in the article that, uh, you know, he got texts and emails from people and lost probably some friends forever, and that's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, you know, I think about these things all the time. There's a pro and negative to all this stuff. You know, here's the pro. It doesn't hurt Mississippi State that the athletic director at the University of Florida is a Mississippi State guy. That doesn't hurt us at all. We get ready to, you know, be part of some initiative within the conference. Kind of helps to have a friend like that. There's a lot of people that think one day Scott Strickland could be the commissioner of the SEC. Well, that'd be a good thing for Mississippi State, don't you think? Could be. Now, I'm not going to sit here and defend Scott's actions for going out and, and hiring Dan Mullen, but I think it's also important to understand Dan Mullen wasn't going to be your football coach. He was either going to be at Tennessee or Florida. And what if, what would, what would have happened at Tennessee if Dan Mullen goes? Well, I, I suspect if Dan Mullen agrees to terms with the University of Tennessee on Friday, John Curry's still probably the athletic director at the University of Tennessee. That coaching search ultimately cost him his job. Jeremy Pruitt never goes to Tennessee. Tennessee is probably not under NCAA investigation and facing major sanctions. And now they are. They've had to, you know, terminate Pruitt for cause. I know there's a lawsuit about that as well. But, you know, if you look at what's happened at Tennessee, you know, Mississippi State, we hadn't quite been the same program we were under Dan Mullen by any stretch. But, you know, Tennessee kind of comes out as the big victim here, and, not, and John Curry as well. You know, Scott Strickland and John Curry are friends. And I can't even begin to imagine how strained that relationship probably was after all that. All that stuff's very interesting to me. It's fascinating. A lot of things are going behind the scenes. Of course, John Curry's terminated. They promote Phil Fulmer again, make him you know, the athletic director. He hires Jeremy Pruitt, and uh, now you've got a huge fiasco. Now – Fulmer has, quote, retired. Pruitt's been terminated. And, and I suspect if, if uh, Dan Mullen had signed a contract with them a day after the Egg Bowl, that he's still there. They might be a 7-8 win team, but he's probably still there. Maybe on the hot seat this year, you know, because it would be, what, three years in? You know, those are the things you begin to think about. You know, what, what would have happened to Tennessee if Dan Mullen takes that job? Scott would have got a coach. He would have. But Dan Mullen wouldn't have been at Mississippi State. I think it's important to understand that. But listen, I'm going to be honest with you guys, too. You know, my loyalty is to all of you. Yeah, I understand there are many people that say that Scott Strickland's a traitor. I get it. I absolutely do. I think it's unfortunate. But at the end of the day, he went out and hired our football coach. And especially a guy that he didn't have, you know, the best of relationships with. You know, and so you look at that in hindsight. And you're like, you know what? 
I don't know that I could ever do that to Mississippi State. I just don't know that I could under any circumstances. You know, it's just, I'll be honest with you, it's just like for those of you that read Flim Flam, you're aware of the fact that um, when I was writing that book, I got contacted by an attorney friend that said, hey, the, the basically some people wanted to pay me off and not write the book. And so I told them, I said, well, okay, tell them it'll be a million dollars. That's what I'll take. I'll take a million dollars not to write the book. And then the next day, somebody else called me, kind of a friend of a friend, said, hey, I understand you're, that you're, uh, you're willing to sell the rights to your story and not write this book for half a million dollars. I said, oh, you, you've been misinformed. It's not half a million, it's a million. Because if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have to sell out Mississippi State, I gotta get some life-changing money to do it. And I just can't bring myself to do that. You know, that's, oh, they were thinking, you know, 10, 15,000, get out of it. Thanks for calling, right? It's incredible. Yeah, it's like I think about there are so many things in my life that, uh, that I have that are mine that nobody can take from me. You know, integrity is one of them. You know, I'm, I'm going to consider and tell you I've always made the best of decisions. I haven't. But, you know, my sobriety is mine. And then how I feel about myself is mine. There's a lot of other things that are kind of left up to interpretation. Those things are not. I get to choose that. I get to choose what decisions that I make. And at the same time, choose the mistakes that I make. Those are my decisions. But I do believe in many respects that uh, if you had to do it all over again, I think all the fallout, you know, there's so much negative feeling about Dan Mullen and Scott Strickland. And, you know, I, don't, I don't think there's anybody really in a Mississippi State fan base that looks back and says, yeah, that was a good thing for us. It was a good thing for us. Grateful to Dan Mullen for what he did when he was here. But I think at the end of the day, we all needed to change. I think Dan needed to change. I think we needed to change. You know, it was every single year with all this stuff, with contract extensions and holding out and raises and you know, being linked to jobs. I mean, you know, he was linked for every job in the Southeast with the exception of maybe the Brandon High School job, the Jones County Junior College job. I mean, it's just like after a while, you just kind of think, man, can we just have a program? Can we just be able to, to relax a little bit and have some confidence to know that our coach is going to be here? And then ultimately it's our former athletic director that, that takes our coach from us, you know. And so, I don't know, I guess, uh, you know, thank the good Lord for a little peace every now and again. But it would be nice to be able to go out there and win some of these big SEC ball games. I'm hopeful Mike Leach can do that. Let's thank our good friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Had Bulldog Burger last night. The pimentology add bacon with onion rings was fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. And again, didn't finish it. You get your money's worth at Bulldog Burger Company. That's one of the things that I, you know, I repeat that point to you guys a lot. But it's the reality of life. There's so many places that are trying to give you less for more. You know, it's like, hey, well, the, our prices are going up, but we're going to give you a little bit less food. Not at Bulldog Burger Company. You're going to get more than you paid for there. You're going to leave there fulfilled. I encourage you, go by and see them today. Get the spring rolls for the appetizer. Very filling. Fabulous. Love it. Absolutely to death. And then find your own favorite burger, whether it be the Smokehouse, the Lauren, the Bryant. There's some great options there. And if you just want a great rock and roll straight ahead, restaurant-quality hamburger, let's go with the Bulldog. You can't go wrong there. Very consistent. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Stark Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, and then the the brand-new one, Lake Harbor Drive there in Ridgeland. And at least once a week, I have somebody either tweet me or message me or text me and say, hey, Steve, we went in there for the first time. It's fabulous. And, it, and I'm not the least bit surprised. Under great management there with Ian Few, go enjoy your time at Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. Let's talk a little bit about this proposed rule about 
raising scholarship limits this year. And there is some discussion about doing it long term. Now, you may recall, you know, we put scholarship limitations back in, uh, you know, years ago because of the fact, you know, we talked about, you know, the rich getting richer. You know, there were no scholarship limitations back in the day. And so Bear Bryant and people like that, they would go out and sign every possible player that they could. And then they, they wouldn't come to Mississippi State. You know, it's like, hey, I go to Alabama. And then sometimes they would sign as many as five or six quarterbacks in a class. Sometimes they'd move them to linebacker, move them to safety. But other times they rode the bench. You know, with a transfer portal, it's a little different deal now. The transfer portal also is part of this deal. So when they put the scholarship limitations in place, it was to protect every member institution and to bring greater parity in college football. I believe in some respects it's done that. Now, you're saying that also, too, kind of against the backdrop of it's, you know, it's Alabama-Clemson every year, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's the truth. That's probably why we need an expansion of the playoff, you to kind of add some new blood in there to make it a little easier you know, for teams to get to the playoff. But the transfer portal has uh, basically wreaked havoc on some rosters. Now, there, I've got a couple of opinions about this. Number one, there are some schools out there, especially mid-majors, that what you're fighting is like you get some players and all of a sudden people get in their ears and they get a couple of years of production and they're like, hey, you should go in the portal. you got a chance to go to the SEC, even if they don't. Because there are a lot of people that have strong opinions that don't have a lot of facts. And so they tell these guys, hey, you know, listen, you need to go to the SEC, you go to the Power Five to improve your draft stock. Have you seen the numbers of the kids that are still in the portal, that went in the portal and had nowhere to go? And that's really the sad story in all of this. Even some players that left Mississippi State, they go in the portal and had nowhere to go, especially if you've already had two years of eligibility. Well, then you can't even go to junior college. You know, we had, uh, what, Corey Charles, where did he end up? Western, Western Illinois. And you know what? I hope he goes up there and plays. He didn't play much here. Played a little bit as a reserve corner a couple years ago. But he didn't play much. But there are a lot of other guys that went in the portal that had nowhere to go. And so the question that I ask is, how are they supposed to pay for their college education? And that's a decision that they, they made more than likely, emotionally. You know, everybody's like, oh, yeah, it'll be no big deal. Because everybody sees, you know, the Joe Burrows of the world and they think, well, that's all that I need. You know, I'm, I'm buried on the depth chart here. I just need to get a fresh start and go somewhere else and then I can get to the National Football League. Well, that's, you know, the reason you remember guys like Joe Burrow is because it was such a historic season. The guy goes down there, wins a Heisman Trophy, wins a national championship. You know what? Well, most people don't have that ability. And so you take a guy like Brandon Cunningham, and I don't know where he is, and maybe things worked out for him. But, you know, Brandon Cunningham was the guy that was committed to Miami decommitted, came to Mississippi State. You, you can't technically call it a flip, but that's what happened. Mississippi State gets him up here. And listen, he is a very outgoing, gregarious, and oftentimes immature young man, but a very talented football player. So he comes here, needs to grow up a little bit, gets in the whole situation where he shoots a video of the Tulsa players on the field, and, hey, we kicked his tail, kicked his tail, kicked his tail. And there's going to be consequences for that. Well, he didn't want to face those consequences, so he goes in the portal. Messaged him a couple times and said, hey, let me help you a little bit. Let me do an article, maybe kind of like a recruiting piece. You know, what, what offers do you have? What opportunities do you have? Let's get your name out there a little bit. No response. And last I'd heard, you know, and I hadn't checked on him in several weeks, last I'd heard is he still wasn't in school. And so those are the things you begin to ask yourself. Okay, it, that's the thing about the portal. 
These guys are adults now. They're above the age of 18, so they're making it really, in many respects, one of the most important decisions of their life. They goes, I'm going to go gamble on myself, right? I'm going to go on the portal. What do you do now? How are you going to go pay for school? And listen, Mississippi State's under no obligation to pay for that. You're no longer on a scholarship rolls here. You had an opportunity here. You elected to, uh, to, to drop that. And so now what are you going to do? So what are they going to do? This is where I think there has to be probably some greater education, you know, about the NCAA transfer portal. And of course, we're all learning this together. You know, who knew the portal would go be so wide open? And then there are a lot of schools out there that say, yeah, I want to mine the portal, but also, too, I don't want to take somebody's problem. I'm better off going and getting this high school guy. And I remember, you know, when the portal first opened, you had all these players reaching out to me. One guy in particular, he redshirted last year at Delta State, and he goes in the portal, and he messages me, and he goes, hey, I want everybody to know I got four years of eligibility. I'm sitting thinking to myself, you know, man, you were at Delta State. And this is no slide at Delta State. You went to Delta State and you redshirted. So, you know, you have nothing new to show anybody. You didn't get on the field. So you've got no college game film. So everybody has to evaluate you on your high school film. Well, they've already done that once and they didn't offer, which is why you ended up at Delta State. And so you're at Delta State with an opportunity to get your education paid for. And you're thinking, oh, well, I'll get a second bite of the apple. And then maybe Alabama or State or Ole Miss or maybe even you, Old Monroe, will come looking at me. Well, they don't. And there's a reason that those guys are at Delta State in the first place. And, again, I'm not being negative about Delta State. Everybody's got a chance to play somewhere if they're lucky. You know, Delta State needs players too. They're not going to go get Power 5 players. They're not going to attract that type of talent. But when you have an opportunity to get your education paid for, you can't be so short-sighted and think, oh, well, coach hurt my feelings. And so I'm going to go get into the transfer portal. And, and that's, that's one of the big things that uh, I guess called me an old guy. I've got old school values when it comes to this sort of stuff. And I think that the transfer portal in many respects is being abused by student athletes and it being abused by student athletes that don't fully appreciate how the world works. It's like, oh, yeah, I could stay here and I could work hard and I could earn a spot. I could battle through some adversity, build some character, that'll help sustain me in life after football. But instead, I'm going to tuck toe and run. I'm going to go. My feelings got hurt. And it's like, I think about this kind of stuff all the time. And it's like, I read some of this stuff online sometimes, and it just kind of blows my mind. It's like, well, somebody hurt their feelings, so they want to file a lawsuit. They hurt your feelings. You ever played football before? You played any high school athletics? My feelings got hurt all the time. And you know what? Eventually it toughened me up a little bit. And I said, you know what? I want to show this guy. He's wrong about me. I'm going to figure it out. I'm not going to let you sit here and you know, call me soft. Sit here and you know, call me stupid. I'm going to get better. And that's not to say there aren't some abusive coaches out there. I'm not trying to suggest that. But, you know, when I was in high school, I, I was very fortunate to play for some very caring and very intelligent coaches. But none of them took it easy on me. None of them. I, even when I was a senior, I, listen, I was one of the top so- soccer prospects in the state of Mississippi. I didn't have anybody coming to my house and saying, hey, Steve, what do you think about this? Can we do this? Can we do that? No. And it seemed like the better I got, the more they expected of me. And so in the bottom line, back in my mind as a young teenager, I'm thinking, well, you know, why don't you go fuss at so-and-so? Why don't you go fuss at so-and-so? And I had a coach one time. Uh, Coach Delton Eubanks, 
or Delman Eubanks. I know it's Coach Eubanks. Left us and ended up going to Heidelberg. And I remember one day he had this conversation with me. He said, the reason that I ride you so hard is because I know what you're capable of. I know you're better than this. You can come out here and put, you know, a 75% effort and be better than most of the kids. But in order for us to be as good as we want to be, I need you to give 100%. Now, I could have pouted. You know, in the beginning, I did. But you learn and you acclimate. And you learn to socialize and understand, you know, this is what happens in life. And I am so grateful that I had high school coaches that had expectations of me, that had some foundational standards that I had to meet. You know, there, there were times we'd have soccer practice. You, know, you go out there and go through drills and you practice two hours. Then we had to run two miles after practice on tired legs. And I hated it until I became an upperclassman. When we got to that fourth quarter, we were fresher and tougher than everybody else out there. All of a sudden, you begin to understand there's a method to the madness. But I could have pouted. Well, this just isn't fair. I want to transfer. Mom, can I go to private school? I'm grateful that I had some people in my life that, that helped me develop some toughness. And that's the thing about this portal that I think sends the wrong message. You know, it's like, okay, well, why are you transferring? Because now it's like, well, it's whatever. You can transfer for whatever reason. And I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing. And maybe it's not. But I, I don't think, yeah, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that I don't want to go hire a bunch of those kids. Oh, you went in the portal. Okay, why'd you go in the portal? Well, I had a coach one time that uh, that was a little bit hard on me, and I didn't like the way he treated me. So I'm going to well, hire this guy. What's going to happen when i got to manage him? What's going to happen when I have to instill some, some discipline? What's going to happen when he doesn't meet expectations and, you know, a sales quarter and I got to bring him in and say, listen, we got to retrain some things. You got to do this. You got to do that. That's one of the things I learned about managing people. There's two kinds of people. When you bring them in the office, when you bring them in the office and you sit them down and you try to coach them a little bit, there are some that are going to take coaching and they're going to get better because they value their job and they want to get better. They want to make more money. But at the end of the day, they won't get fired. And then there are other people that come in and immediately after they walk out of your office, they start looking for another job. He goes, oh, well, he's only bringing me in here to talk to me because they're fixing to fire me. No, I really didn't want to. I never wanted to fire anybody. I wanted them to get better. And so that's the thing I think about with coaches. It's like, how hard can you coach a guy today and then not have to worry about him going in the portal? You know, it's like you can say, well, I'm just going to do things the way that I wanted to do it. Well, that's true. And then all of a sudden, you know, half your team may leave. And I, and Today's podcast is brought to you by Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to Nerd Wallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year. Managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup. Putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explain the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Weekly financial check-ins with smart money help you spend more time doing what matters and less time worrying about what doesn't. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. 
Listen to the NerdWallet Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scooting. Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing. The versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. It's my favorite boot brand, and it should be yours, too. Be sure and check them out. Tacovas believes in Western for all people, and you can feel that when you go into their stores, when you walk in, you'll be greeted like family, offered a boot shine and a drink, and maybe even an adult beverage if you prefer, and you can get custom fitted for a new pair of Tacovas boots. You can get custom leather stamping or branding, whatever you need to make it feel somewhat individual. Look up your closest store at tecovis.com. But if you can't make it to a store, Tecovis delivers the most premium quality and most comfortable Western goods right to your door. Visit tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And you know what, partner? Point your toes west. In every, every generation talks about, you know, oh, I'm so worried about this next generation. You know, I, I don't know that there's ever been greater concern about that. Because there's a lot of people out there that just, you know, they want the easier, softer way. And if that means the, the transfer portal, then that's what it means. But I think it's a cautionary tale now. You look at this and you begin to ask yourself, you know, I'm, I'm really gambling here. I'm taking a big risk by going into portal because there is no guarantee I'm going to come out of it. And so for those schools like that, let's say for an example, like a G5 school, I'm not going to just mention any, anybody at random. Let's just say you had a G5 school out there that had, you know, 20 of these kids go in the portal. I read some numbers, I guess, that uh, it's mainly Power 5 guys that you know, kind of get down the depth chart that in, enter the portal, and they just want to play. A lot of guys, those guys think they're going to get a shot to go to Alabama. They're not. But, um, you know, my point being is that it's difficult for those G5 schools to be able to kind of supplement and get to 85. And so the thinking is, okay, let's do a one-year readjustment. Let's give everybody a chance to kind of go get in the portal because that kind of – that helps. It helps a lot. It helps the, some of those kids that are still in the portal, and it also allows uh, you know schools to supplement their rosters. But is this what we want going forward? I mean, that's part of the proposal they're discussing. There's there's a consideration for the one year waiver for 2022 that will allow you to replace as many guys that go in the portal uh, to help help you get back to the 85. Now the 85 limit is going to remain in place. That's not going to change. So it's not like, oh, well, we can go out and get 50 guys and then run some guys off. You know, that's, that's not how it's going to work. And that's one of the things I think you got to be careful of is you might be inviting more attrition if you let this thing get out of hand. Now, how does this impact Mississippi State? I actually wrote a, a short article earlier today about this. Now, Mississippi State right now is right at 85. I think we might be one or two spots short. But, we're, you know, we put Sherman Timms and London Craft on scholarship. 
And so that kind of helps the numbers. You put some walk-ons on. We had some room to work. But, you know, if we sign 25 for 2022, we're going to be at 85. Matter of fact, we probably even need a couple guys to leave. You know, you had the COVID year where everybody's granted another year of eligibility. So there's not a lot of true seniors out there. A lot of guys that are technically a junior eligibility-wise. They may be a senior in the classroom, but they're only a junior because they've only had three years of eligibility exhausted counting this year. And so there's a lot of schools out there that aren't going to be able to sign a full 25 and stay under the 85. So I don't think this is going to have the impact that a lot of people suggest. And I think it's also important to understand this has not been passed yet. So the oversight committee is supposed to discuss it this week. There's not a vote scheduled. That's not to say there can't be a vote. But I was told probably not going to be a vote. That could always change. And then, of course, the, uh, the board of directors will vote, the Division One board of directors, and that's after consultation with the schools. And I'm told that it's not this rubber stamp deal that some people are suggesting. There are a lot of schools that are actually against this. And if I'm, let's say I'm Alabama, you know, and I've managed my roster correctly. You know, maybe I've had some guys transfer, but, you know, we hadn't had, you know, a whole lot of attrition in that respect. Maybe you've had some guys go pro. But if I've managed my roster correctly, why do I, why would I be in favor of allowing those schools that couldn't manage their rosters to get a second bite at the apple? Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and so those are things I think that, that makes it a little more of a complex issue. So eager to see kind of how that progresses. That's something to kind of watch here in the days ahead. And again, the rule has not been passed. Uh, Ross writes the article, and then a lot of people begin to kind of aggregate Ross's article, and then they took some liberties and kind of suggested, oh, this is expected to pass or whatever, and that's that's probably a little bit premature. Well, then fans think, oh, this is going to happen. NCAA is doing this. You know, NCAA is not just some, you know, governing body that doesn't have input from the membership. And so it's not going to be as simple as some people are suggesting. Now, hey, by the end of the week, it might be completely different. But there is still a lot of discussion that has to take place before this, this is going to come, be, become a reality. And then again, it's, not, it's going to have, if any, a very negligible impact on Mississippi State because we're not going to have a lot of room under the 85. If we sign a full class in 2022, barring a lot of attrition, we're going to be at 85. And so I've seen some people say that, hey, well, State maybe can sign 30, 32 players. As of now, it's not correct. You know, we might be able to pick up one or two, but not – no. Because as of right now, because Jameer Calvin counts towards 2022 because he signed in fall camp. So he was technically a blue shirt because he waited to sign his financial aid package once he started practice. And so he counts towards 2022. So as it stands right now, Mississippi State has 24 available scholarships – under the annual limit for 2022 and you can use all those provided you're at or under the 85 you know the days of over signing are over you can't go out there and sign a bunch of guys and then you know run some other guys off in the summer and that sort of stuff there are some protections now in place to prevent that from happening so that's the understanding so hope that i provide some clarity so again I, it's not a slam dunk that it passes and even if it does not expected to see a major increase in scholarships for the 2022 class from Mississippi State, barring, you know, some late attrition. Now, again, there'll be one or two guys that leave every year. That's just kind of how life works. But, uh, but we're not going to be able to go out there and sign, you know, 32 kids. It's just not. It's not going to happen. You know, it's just. It would take a a world of attrition, in order for that to happen for Mississippi State. So, if that's kind of what you're looking for and expecting, let me go ahead and encourage you to take a step back, take a deep breath. 
because that's not how it works. And trust me, the people that I talked to are very involved in this process. They said, no, it's not going to have probably not going to help us much at all. It may help us a little bit, but not much, at least not for the class of 22. Now, of course, if you have coaching change down the road, you have a bunch of guys leave, well, certainly you'd want to be in a position where you could replenish your roster. And that's something they got to discuss too. But there's a reason you sign, you got 25 limit over four years. 25 and over four years, that's 100 kids. Well, the scholarship limit's 85 because they account for some natural attrition. So it's not as simple as uh, some people would suggest. The math is actually pretty straightforward. You got to stay under 85, the 85 overall limit. And just even if they relax the annual limit for 2022, you're still going to have to stay under the 85. That's just how things are going to work. All right, it's time for today's top 10 list, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair, a longtime friend of mine, I'm a big fan of his. This is a guy that gets things done. We talk about leadership. We talk about managing situations. Blair's your guy. If you're looking to purchase a home, if you're looking to refinance your current home or perhaps get a second mortgage or a HELOC or something like that or do some home improvements, Blair can help you with that. There are other people who say, Steve, you know, the dream of home ownership is not going to come true for me. Well, give Blair a chance. You may have dealt with some people less experienced than him. He's got 21 years in the industry, one of the top 1% in the nation in close ratio. This is a guy that gets things done. You can visit him at closewithblair.com. That's B-L-A-I-R, closewithblair.com. Or you can give him a call. And he's happy to talk to you. Happy to talk to you. In between hell and cuspers, that's what Blair does. He talks to you. Uh, so here's the deal. And Blair won't mind you sharing the number. A lot of people are funny like that. Oh, I don't want to share your number without permission. Listen, that's what Blair does. 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. And by being a Boneyard listener, you mention the Boneyard to him in text or by phone or in email, he's going to pay for your appraisal just because you're a Boneyard listener. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever you can. So by doing business with us and doing business with Blair, you can save some money. It's about a $300 value. Again, that's closeofblair.com. All right. Time for our final segment of the first favorites. Now, let me give you a little caveat before we start the list here. Some of these bands were around prior to 2020, but they really kind of rose to prominence this decade. We've only got a couple years to work with here, but... You know, so you're going to hear, Steve, I was listening to this band, you know, back in the uh, mid-2000s. Yeah, maybe so. I wasn't. And so there are a lot of these bands that maybe you've been with them since their infancy. You know, for, for me, I think I was probably one of the first thousand Shinedown fans. Heard about them before they even released their first album. Found some demos out there. Thought Brent Smith was great. And so all of a sudden, Shinedown kind of rises to become one of the headliners in modern rock. And, you know, so it's like a lot of these songs that people were excited about, I'd already heard. So I'm not going to be a music snob about that. And I would ask that you not do the same to me. Because some of these bands, again, they've been around for a while, but maybe they changed singers, maybe they changed their sound, the direction of the band, got new management, new record label, and then things changed. It happens a lot. All right, so these are bands that uh, I think have really come into their own here in the last couple of years. And, and I sent this list to Roy, and Roy says, I've never heard of any of these bands. And so this is a chance for you to kind of expand your musical horizons just a little bit. All right, first favorites from 2020. Number 10, this is a band that is very, very different. The band is called The Struts. If you like Queen, I think you'll love The Struts. 
Very similar sound. The singer sounds a lot like Freddie Mercury. Not in a cover sort of way. But it's almost like a tribute. A lot of, a lot of the music is really kind of loud and outlandish like that. A lot going on. My first favorite from the Struts is a song of inspiration. It's called Could Have Been Me. It could have been me. It's like all these, you see all these great things happen in life. You know, that could have been me if I'd been able to work a little bit harder. If I hadn't gone into the NCAA transfer portal thinking somebody owed me something, it could have been me on ESPN. All right, number nine. We've actually had this song on the show before. I think this is the only song on the list that has appeared on a previous top ten list. I actually recorded this out in Omaha, and it was on the Like Father, Like Son list. But it's Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown, and it's a song called On to the Next. I listen to this probably once or twice a day. You know, there's some days I ride down the road and just put it on repeat. I love the song, love the sound. Listen to it a lot when I was at the College World Series. After we beat Virginia, that was kind of the theme of the day. It's like, on to the next. All right, we got this one done. Let's get to the next one. If you like Southern rock, if you like that kind of bluesy sound, I think you would like the entire Tyler Bryant and the Shakedown catalog. A little different, for sure. But a little more, more true to, like, traditional rock. Number eight, a band that I saw at Rocklahoma a couple years ago. And uh, the first time somebody shared them with me, I wasn't in particularly enthused. I had to, they had to kind of grow on me a little bit. It's a band called Dirty Honey. And I know some of you guys are huge freaks of theirs, and uh, I respect it. I love... The, both the Dirty Honey albums that I've listened to. and uh, But my, my favorite song is maybe a little bit of a deeper track. I don't know that I've heard it on the radio. But I love the vocal on it, and I love the lyrics. And one of my favorite lines in the song is, don't let the same burn, don't let, the, don't let an old flame burn you twice. There you go. Don't let an old flame burn you twice. Words to live by there, I can personally attest. Uh, but it's a song, Another Last Time. I love that track. And, again, it's kind of bluesy, too. And so this kind of concludes our bluesy section of the top ten list today. Everything else is very, very modern. Uh, Some of it's got an industrial sound, got a track in it, got some click stuff in it. And so we get into number seven. And this is a band out of Inglewood, California, that's really only been together a couple years. And as soon as their sound hit, like, a serious octane airwaves, they exploded. And, like, they went out on the road with everybody. It's a band called Fever 333. They got a lot of good stuff, and they're very aggressive and in-your-face. I don't always agree with all their politics, but they are, uh, they're a band that is uh, very, very different. And the song for me, the first one that really turned me on, was Burn It. You got to burn it down, build it back up again. They had another great song that was real popular called Made in America. And so while you're kind of maybe thumbing through the Fever 333 catalog, let me check that out. Number six, I actually heard this song for the first time at the College World Series. I was watching Vanderbilt and uh, Stanford play. And it's like I hear the song and I say, hey, Siri, what is this song? And then I jammed it ever since. And I was very happy to find out that it was actually Wolfgang Van Halen's band, Mammoth WVH. It's more than just name dropping. Wolfie is great. Wolfie did some uh, bass stuff on the Mark Tremonti solo projects. He's guy's an incredible musician. You know, we sat in, of course, with Michael Anthony, wasn't with Van Halen, uh, played the bass lines and did a great job. So this guy's a serious musician. The song that I heard that really made me realize that uh, Mammoth is legit is a track called Don't Back Down. It, it, it'll get your blood pumping for sure. A lot of guitar, 
really a rock song. There are a lot of people today that you're kind of, it's all this fusion. You know what I'm saying? Not this guys that they get after you. Uh, number five, a band that's probably had six or seven albums before they broke in the United States. It's a band from England. And they are kind of dominating the airwaves on modern rock radio right now. And it's a band called Architects. Now, this song has got some language in it. So if you're thumbing through this list and you, you download Roy or uh, Izzy's playlist, kind of understand this one's got, this has got a little uh, language in it. And uh, it's a song called Animals. And it is absolutely phenomenal. Again, it's kind of an industrial sense, a big layered sound. But they'll get after you a little bit. I, and that, that, um, that the album that it's on is incredible. I, there are times I'll just kind of put it on when I'm working. I'll listen to it from start to finish. Number four, I absolutely love this band. Uh, love this album. I was kind of late to the party. And so they had some stuff in the late 2000s that was really good too. But it's a band called Memphis May Fire. Memphis May Fire. And there's a couple of great songs on that album. I could probably pick half a dozen songs on that album that should be singles. But the one that was a big single for them, and it was really the song that kind of made me a fan, made me want to go out and buy a shirt and that sort of stuff, is called Heavy is the Weight. Heavy is the Weight that I Hold. It's almost anthemic for me. I listen to that song a lot of times, too, and I'm a little bit down. I put it on. It kind of lifts me up a little bit. Life's not always easy. Maybe it is for you. It's not for me. i got to work through a lot of stuff. Number three, I actually had this as my song of the year here a couple of years ago. Um, listened to this a lot when I was on the road. If you listen to Sirius XM, Katie Babs, who I think is fabulous. She is great. She actually responds on social media, talks music with you. Um, she's married to the bass player in this band. It's a group called Crown the Empire. And they had a, a hit or two uh, maybe a year or so ago. But the song to me that is kind of like the definitive Crown of the Empire song is a track called Blurry. It's wonderful. And again, it, it's kind of, it's a big layered sound, but um, you know, Brandon, the singer, is fabulous. I think you'll enjoy that. Again, it's Crown of the Empire, Blurry. Number two, a band that I've met, I think a lot of them, actually uh, was kind of late to the party with them a little bit. You know, like I, I hadn't pre-ordered their album. I'd heard they had an EP out there and uh, they actually had a bus fire. And, uh, the, you know, people were concerned about them and everybody was okay. Equipment got destroyed, but the people were good. And uh, I thought it was a really cool thing. Like a lot of people were reaching out, trying to give them money because they were you know, a new band. And they're like, no, hey, we're taken care of. We got insurance, record labels taking care of us. If you want to help us, go out and pre-order the album. And so I did. And it's phenomenal. It's, abs- it's, a, it's an album called Lifelines. The band is I Prevail. And... Um, my favorite song on that album, and there, there are a few, but the one that really kind of pulled me in, my first favorite I Prevail song, and it's sad because a lot of people, in many respects, they covered a Taylor Swift song, and that was on the radio, the Blank Space song, and I think it kind of provided people maybe the wrong impression of this band. But the song Scars, that's the one for me. Because I got a couple on there too, you know, stuck in my head, Lifelines are all great. Their album is great. But Scars is the one that kind of pulled me in. That's the band I Prevail, Scars. The second album, Trauma, is also phenomenal. So if you're looking for a new band that's kind of consistent, they don't just have one or two good songs and a bunch of filler on the album, maybe I Prevail is the one for you. Number one, though, this band's actually about to change their name. I think I've talked about them on the show before, but it's a band called Slaves. 
They're going to change their name just because of the, the negative connotation. They're been out, out of California. And, um, and so Slaves is phenomenal. And uh, I have listened to everything in the catalog multiple times. Absolutely love them. They give these crazy song titles. But the one for me that really kind of pulled me in to the band Slaves is a song called I'd Rather See Your Star Explode. And, of course, you know, the joke there is, you know, it's about an ex or whatever, and it's like, uh, you know, her star was on the rise. And then he goes, well, you know, I'd rather see your star explode because he's bitter about the breakup or whatever. And so um, they have an EP that I would encourage you, no matter what kind of music you listen to, whether you're a rock fan, you know, a pop fan or whatever, maybe even an R&B fan, because there's a little bit of everything. They have an EP called Revision that is one of the best albums that I have listened to in years. Everything on there is absolutely beautiful. It is it is beautiful because, number one, that he can really sing and they can really play. And there are a lot of people out there that can't write songs. They can. So Slaves, probably my favorite new band. I, I would venture to say that's probably the case. And I have listened to everything they have recorded. And some of it, I don't, you know, especially some of the early stuff when they're trying to find their sound, wasn't so much a big deal to me. You know, I, I can listen to it and I don't change the channel. You know, I don't change the, the song, but there's a lot more killer than filler with the band Slaves. So again, at Slaves, I'd rather see your star explode. All right, so thanks for your support of the top 10 list. I get so many messages, people thanking me for the list, asking questions. This is one of those lists too. I know what's going to happen. I'm going to say, Steve, I can't believe you didn't include this band. And it may be a band that maybe I knew of, maybe didn't think as much of. But what happens too is people send me bands that maybe I hadn't heard of or maybe I haven't, you know, had a lot of experience with. And so it allows me to kind of expand the repertoire a little bit. So I, I dig that and I appreciate all the interaction we get to have about the top 10 list. There have been so many students that have come up to me on game days and say, Steve, I love the top 10 list. I've got so many songs that I've added to my playlist from this. So I'm, I'm grateful. This is one that I think is not just for the students, but for some of the old rockers too, that maybe perhaps aren't quite as familiar with the new blood. If you have an idea for a top 10 list, reach out, let me know. I'm on all forms of social media, at ScoutSteveR. And if you're not following me on Twitter, what are you doing with your life? That's at ScoutSteveR. And if you send me a Facebook request, chances are I'm not going to accept it. And it's got nothing to do with you personally. It's just I'm out of, I'm out of space. And so I, I don't decision your request because I want you to be able to follow me. And so I just want to make sure that's understood because what happens is sometimes people will send me a request and then they'll message me and say, hey, you didn't accept my request. And I'm like, well, you know, it's not a humble brag, but I've, I've got a lot of friends on Facebook. I don't know hardly any of my friends on Facebook anymore. And, and I just want people to be able to follow me and be able to get our content and us to be able to interact. Speaking of my content, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilethebook.com and pre-order your copies of Dogpile. Doing really well. Doing really well. But I want to make sure we kind of keep the, uh, keep the heat alive here. We'll have a delivery date here coming up very, very soon. But dogpile the book. That's D-A-W-G, pile the book.com. You can pre-order your copies of the brand new book, Dogpile, which is a celebration of Mississippi State's national championship baseball season. You're going to want that for yourself and for all your Bulldog friends. Be a great gift. And what I would suggest to people, so I don't know for sure they're going to just, just go ahead and order it. Just order it. You're going to have a Bulldog fan, somebody, somewhere that you can give that book to. So... Uh, and while you're there too, if you're interested in Alpha Dogs or Stark Villains or Flim Flam, you get personalized copies there. So if you want the personalized book, you need to put in the notes what you want me to say. All right, again, it's dogpilethebook.com.
We take this time, too, to remind you, those of you that like to have a little skin in the game. I know everybody likes NFL football. I do. I, I couldn't wait to watch Dak last Thursday. Uh, and happy to see the Steelers beat the Bills on Sunday. How about that? The Pittsburgh Steelers, the premier professional sports franchise in all of sport. Any, any dissenting opinions are wrong. But, uh, you know, if you are a person that likes to play fantasy football, a lot of people out there saying, you know, Steve, I missed a draft. I couldn't find a group. You know what? DraftKings can help you. Our friends at DraftKings, not only can they help you, they'll pay you. How about that? New customers get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit by signing up and using my promo code Boneyard. Simple, right? Download the DraftKings app. Use promo code Boneyard. That'll help you qualify. Then you pick your lineup. Make sure you stand or the salary cap and then see how your team stacks up against competition fill the nfl action like never before because you got a shot at a million bucks how cool is that download that DraftKings app right now and use promo code boneyard this week new customers get that free shot at a million dollars and then you compete for a million dollars in prizes all across all contests again that's promo code boneyard to get that free shot at a one million dollar top prize with your first deposit Again, promo code Boneyard. You should know it by now. The official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for further information. How about that? Looking forward to pro football. Wasn't always like that. You know, it's like sometimes you get a little busy in life, and sometimes you know, I get home, I just want to, you know, chill. But I'm looking forward to, to all that stuff. I'm looking forward to... Seeing the Steelers go win a Super Bowl. How about that? All right, so next segment of the show brought to you by CampusBookmart.net. You guys know standing man, Miss Kathy Brown, lovely, talented Susie. They'll take care of you. Go in and see them and everybody in the basement. They'll kind of get up and kind of wander around every once in a while, and you, and you wonder, they work there, they do. We've got a former Diamond Dog, excuse me, a former Diamond Girl and cheerleader down in the basement. How about that? They don't keep her down there. It's just where she works. So when you're in town, go by and check them out. Go see and go see their smiling faces. If you can't make it to town, go to campusbookmart.net and outfit your family in the latest from running white fashions. And by being a loyal Boneyard lister, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And listen, as you guys know, those of you that, that stocked up on uh, College World Series gear, that's not an insignificant deal. Getting free shipping is a really cool thing. So, again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR for beautiful Steve Robertson, and get your free shipping just by listening to the show. I mean, you're, you're saving money and making money just by listening to the show. We link you up with great people, great prizes, great merchandise, and the great people to do business with. So, again, campusbookmart.net, promo code BSR. Let's talk Memphis. Now, you guys are excited about this. I'm excited about it, too. You know, Memphis concerns me a little bit because – they're so prolific offensively. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I don't want to get there on, a, on we're having a bad day and that guy's having a good day and we get lit up. I mean, this is a huge game for us. You can say, well, Steve, it's Memphis. Yeah, it is Memphis. It's more about it's the next game. It makes us 3-0. and We win this thing halfway to bow eligibility in a year that, you know, every game's really going to count. You know, we're not a team that's, you know, necessarily assured you know, of a bowl bit. You know, we got to go out there and earn it. And so, again, this is a young nucleus. As a team, we're kind of moving forward. And so, first road trip this year. be interesting to see how we react. But uh, let me give you a little history about Memphis. We touched on this a little bit Monday. Um, so, 
we've played 44 times against the University of Memphis. We've won 33. Mississippi State has actually won 12 games in a row dating back to 1994. Now, we haven't played the Tigers since 2011. How crazy is that? Now, you may recall in recent years, they have a couple Power 5 wins. They beat Ole Miss back in 15. They beat UCLA in uh, 17, I believe it was. And so they, they don't get a lot of opportunities to play a Power 5 team. Now, Memphis, in case you haven't noticed, is also not really even mentioned in connection with a lot of this conference expansion stuff. And a lot of people wonder why. Well, they're going to try to build a new stadium, and they should. They don't have an on-campus stadium. You know, we got to go to Liberty Bowl. You know, they just recently opened their indoor practice facility last year. You know, they're one of the kind of the last in the region, you know, to have that. And so you would think, you know, the Memphis TV market, you know, you'd have some opportunities there, you know, for, you know, to get in some, some TV sets there and in, increase your TV deal. But, you know, the Big 12 didn't even really sniff Memphis. And I'm sure they'd love to be in a major conference. And so in order to do that, they've kind of got to upgrade football. But also, too, this weekend in many respects is kind of an audition. You know, I'm sure – that's something that's been talked about. Hey, you're being disrespected. You're out here working hard. We're winning football games every year. You're being disrespected. So let's go out here and show Mississippi State and the world that we should be a Power 5 team. We should be in a Power 5 conference. And so I expect them to come out with a chip on their shoulder and kind of with that in mind. And sometimes that's you know, it's a negative. You know, sometimes that can be a detriment. And so uh, biggest margin of victory was the last time we played them. We beat them 59-14 back in 2011. That was the last meeting. It's hard to believe we hadn't played them in a decade. Uh, running through the list here real quickly. You know, this game used to be a real competitive game for years and years and years. Now, we opened – let me see here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. We opened the series with Memphis winning nine in a row from 1951 to 1961. Well, then they won three, and then we won three. And then it was pretty competitive, you know, in the, in the late 70s. You know, it's you know, they would win one, we would win one, and then, you know, we kind of went on the stretch here. But, uh, you know, they got 11 wins in a series, and it seems like every time we lose to them, it's, it's never been a great Bulldog team. You know, I remember that 2001 year, you know, we really didn't have a great year at all. It's a, it's a year that uh, I earned the name Rose Bowl, right? We win that game 30-10. to 10. It was a tussle for a while, and we pulled it away late. We thought, okay, we'll, we'll be okay. And that was expected to be a pretty good Memphis team. But, uh, again, that's part of this new 12-game uh, you know, winning streak. But, um, you know, usually when we lose to Memphis, it typically means that we're not going to have a great year. And let's be honest. You know, Memphis is not a team that should be able to recruit on the level of, you know, State or Ole Miss or Tennessee or anybody like that. And so, in many respects, you're kind of getting – that Southern Miss brand of athlete. But I would venture to say Memphis is a little more talented than Southern Miss, and they have been uh, in recent years. Now, they have uh, a new quarterback. He's a younger guy, as you guys are well aware. And, and uh, Mike Leach made mention that, uh, you know, he's not going to have any sympathy for anybody having to play a young quarterback. That's exactly what we're doing. But uh, off to a pretty good start, you know, so far. Uh, Memphis 2-0 and on the year. 42-17 winners over Nickel State, and then 55-50 winners on the road to Arkansas State. They had just over 30,000 for that home game against Nichols. Uh, so, yeah, really of a barn burner of a deal. But I guess the bigger question is, man, the Steelers scoring a lot of points. They gave up 50 to Arkansas State. That's interesting. All right, let's get into some of these numbers, obviously. Um, 
so not a ton of uh, turnover conversion. You know what I'm saying? It's like a lot of times you, you get the turnover and you cash in. Not really for them. Memphis has not scored a single point off of turnovers. First down's about the same, 56 for Memphis, 52 for their opponents. And, again, remember they played uh, Nickel State. So they have run for 585 yards and then allowed 198. Now, that's a little bit skewed because basically Arkansas State runs an air raid similar offense. They get out there and, and, and sling it around. Uh, passing yardage, they have allowed 781 yards. That's a lot. They've thrown 682. Opponents have just thrown this to one interception. But 61 of 100 in two games against the Memphis defense. They've, they've had to face 100 pass attempts. On the other side, Memphis 41 to 65. So a little more balanced, I guess, to say the least. Uh, you know, they're throwing it around a good bit. They're pretty efficient. They're allowing 390 yards in passing yardage a game. Kick returns, uh, they've, been, they've been somewhat susceptible to the big return. They've allowed, I guess, I guess it's right at 20, but they have had some that kind of got loose. And uh, watching the press conference on Monday, so they just got tackled better. So the integrity of that's got to be better. Uh, so we'll see how things kind of progress there. They've been really good in the first quarter, though. That's one of those things I always think about when we go on the road is because, you know, teams that are good early get the crowd into it and it becomes an impediment, you know, for the visitor. They've uh, put up 30 points in the first and then 33 in the second. They've kind of worn down some in the second half. But they're a team that likes to start fast. And I think it's important for the defense to come out and set a tone early. And listen, you know, offensive Coaches want to get the quick start, go out there, they script some plays to kind of give their team a running start, you know, into the ball game. And so it says again, it says a lot about you know, that coaching staff up there. I think this is a staff that's on the rise. Wish them the absolute best once they get through the weekend. Running back Brandon Thomas leads the team 338 yards, rushing former Starville High School star Rodriguez Clark, the number two guy on the list, 146, 18 carries. Uh, the one touchdown, had a 21-yarder. So he's averaging, you know, 73 yards a game. So, you know, listen, they're, they're going to want to run the football <laughs> for sure. And we're a team that wants to stop the run. And I think in many respects that's going to put a lot of pressure on Seth Hennigan, you know, the quarterback there. And he has, uh, he's on every pass for them. They hadn't mixed and matched. And to be honest with you, other than the Nickel State game, they hadn't had a lot of room to do that. But, uh, you know, as a team, they're averaging, what is this, 292 yards a game rushing, is that right? I think it's right. Um, but the reality of it is, is they're a little more balanced, I guess, than, than what we've seen from some teams. But, um, you know, they're going to want to spread us out, line it up, and run it. That's why it's so important for that defensive line to get off blocks. And, again, put the game in Seth Hennigan's hands. 41 to 65, 63%. And uh, they check it down a lot, too. That, that's kind of the wave of the future. We don't get out there and throw a lot of Hail Marys, regardless of what people would expect. But um, – Interesting, to say the least, uh, to see Seth Hennigan's a guy that they, they wondered would be the starter, and now he is. Uh, leading receiver on the team is Calvin Austin the third, 12 grabs, 286 yards, four touchdowns, and has a long of 75. Sean Dykes, 10 grabs, 148 yards, and a couple touchdowns, and nobody else on the team has a receiving touchdown. And the, the, the numbers, you know, kind of spread out around that. But um, certainly... You know, some guys that are capable of getting up down the field. They got a lot of team speed. 
for sure. Now, let's get out here and look a little deeper and uh, look at this defensive stuff. That To me, that's really where the game is going to be determined is when Mississippi State is on the field. I think defensively we're going to more than hold our own. And I think we're in a position to cover with some change. I think we, 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 I think we win the game, and I think we win it a little more handily than Vegas suggests. But young team going on the road, you know, we'll see what happens. But um, this defense, the defensive numbers are not good at all. Now, somebody's got to make the tackles, and Quindell Johnson's making the most. Quindell Johnson, 16 tackles for them. J.J. Russell, former Mississippi State commitment out of Grenada, Mississippi. J.J. Russell with 15. Got the one quarterback, Curry, too, and a one TFL. Uh, Thomas Pickens, 14 total tackles for them. Greg Rubin, a guy at Mississippi State, recruited a little bit. Uh, Ten stops for him. Not really a lot of familiar names on the list, uh, at least among the leaders, but uh, this is a team that is that will give up some points and some yards. And we talk about, oh, you know, experience and that sort of stuff. Don't always work out that way because sometimes that experience is not good experience. Of course, you want to be able to see it and then be able to adjust to it. But, um, you know, they ran a lot of drop eight, a lot of drop eight. And uh, Silverfield says they plan, you know, to do that similar. So you listen – yeah, we'll increase the pass rush as long as it makes sense. But, you know, they were, you know, blitzing three and dropping eight, and they got absolutely torched. And that's one of the things that I was, you know, looking at with these numbers with this Arkansas State thing. I mean, it's like, let me pull this box score up so we can kind of speak intelligently about this. It is, it is absolutely crazy, the numbers that they gave up in a game against Arkansas State, a team that's not expected to be very good, you know. And so <laughs> – Let's look at these numbers real quick, uh, looking at the individual numbers. So they had three – excuse me, they had two quarterbacks throw for nearly 300 yards. So James Blackman goes 19 of 28 for 306 and four touchdowns. And Lane Hatcher is 23 of 38 for 276. So they combined to go 42 of 66 for 582 yards and five touchdowns. And Memphis gave the big play. 582 yards passing for Arkansas State last week. It's crazy. Now, they didn't run it a lot. This is 98 yards, but uh, ran it 32 times, gained 125, and then lost 27. And most of that is sacks on Lane Hatcher, 21 yards and loss for him. So, wasn't a lot of necessarily negative plays in the run game, but they didn't exactly go out there and run it all over them. They averaged 3.1 yards a carry, which is, I guess, manageable. But – I would venture to say Arkansas State doesn't have running backs the same caliber as Mississippi State does. So we've got to get out there and play well, for sure, and kind of establish a line of scrimmage. Uh, 42 grabs we talked about. Uh, Jeff Foreman for Arkansas State had eight catches for 198 yards and a long of 89. They had five different guys catch touchdown passes. So it wasn't just as simple of somebody having a big day. It was basically a complete breakdown in the Arkansas, I mean, in the Memphis pass defense. So, should be able to, to do a good job there. We'll see. Now, Noah Grant, you know, Tulu Griffin has become a guy that uh, has become a real weapon for Mississippi State, kind of the game within the game. Noah Grant, the kicker from Memphis, has been a good kicker. Nine kickoffs, only two touchbacks. So, seven of those nine kicks have been returnable with one exception. He kicked one out of bounds. And so – Everybody says, well, well, how do you defense Tulu Griffin? Well, you, you, you kick it in the end zone. Well, what do you do when you have a kicker that can't do that? And so, yeah, I think on that fast turf at Liberty Bowl, Tulu could be a real problem. 
Now, this is where having a killer return guy like Tulu gets in the heads of people. Ordinarily, you just line up and you kick it down there and you go cover it. But when you've got a guy that won the MVP of the Armed Forces Bowl as a returner, essentially, you know, he had the one touchdown catch too, but he changed the game as a returner and nearly took three of them back to the house. Well, then you go back the last week against, um, pardon me, the first week against Louisiana Tech, and he nearly broke one there too. He had a couple of nice returns and nearly took one of those to the house. Well, he finally gets it and comes through here. And, then, and not to mention, there were other returns in the game where he gives State, you know, some great field position to start a drive. So now all of a sudden, you know, Memphis is kind of having to sit around asking about Tulu Griffin. Well, what do we do? We don't just line up and kick it. When I was like, okay, are we going to directional kick? Are we going to sky kick? What are we going to do? So now all of a sudden, because of the threat that Tulu Griffin presents, Memphis has to alter their special teams game plan. You're already having to contend with the air raid and the 3-3-5 defensive alignment. Well, now all of a sudden, in special teams, you're going to have guys doing something they're not quite as comfortable doing. This is not our normal operation. And this is where Tulu, again, you're seeing the benefit of having a guy like him as a real weapon because now he's in their heads. And so let's say, okay, we're just going to squib it down the field. Well, then State covers it at the 30. You know, so, you know that was a problem we had last week. It seemed like we were, we were hemmed up and backed up if we kept losing the battle of field position uh, because we were losing the punting game. And so now all of a sudden, and I don't think Memphis is going to kick off a whole lot, but now you've got to alter your operation. I think that is significant. When you have a kicker that can't put it in the end zone, it kind of puts you at the mercy of the return team. And this is a team, by their coach's own admission, that has kind of struggled to stay in their lanes and make tackles. And so I could see Tulu breaking another one. I think the only way you prevent that is to make sure you kick it away from him. And they tried to do that last week. And the next thing you know, it's a, you know, it's a touchdown. So that is something to kind of consider as we move forward. Um, that That is not an insignificant stat. It's something we have to talk about. It's because of the fact it's become such a big part of our attack. When you've got a guy like that that is as lethal as Tulu, and all of a sudden you get a kicker that can't put it in the end zone, then all of a sudden he tries to overkick it, kicks out of bounds or – you know, so those are things that I think are important to kind of consider as we, as we move forward. Now, looking at the Memphis schedule, it's amazing how everybody's website's a little bit different. So after us, they will play Texas San Antonio and Memphis. They'll travel to Temple, travel to Tulsa. That should be a win based on what's happened. Karma is, is a real thing. Uh, then Navy at UCF, SMU, East Carolina at Houston, and Tulane. Then, of course, they have the AAC uh, championship game at the end of the year. You know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens with this Memphis team. Last year was a little bit different. You know, if we didn't get to play the, you know, the full schedule. You know, we had some adjustments too in baseball because of the, the Memphis scheduling policy. But uh, so last year, a good team. You know, eight and three. They uh, win the Montgomery Bowl against Florida Atlantic. But, uh, you know, looking at this team, a lot, a lot of close games. I mean, it really were. I mean, Arkansas State, they win that game 37-24. They lose at SMU 30-27. They beat UCF 50-49. They beat Temple 41-29. They lose a big blowout Cincinnati last year, 49-10. They beat South Florida 34-33. They beat Stephen F. Austin and FCS team 56-14. They, they win at Navy 10-7. 
And then they lose at Tulane 35-21. They beat Houston 30-27. So you see, these guys are used to being in competitive games. So they're not going to quit. You know, they're not going to all of a sudden just decide, well, the ball game is over. Let's just kind of move on with life. And, but they're also a team, too, that is very susceptible to giving up big plays. And so I guess at the end of the day, what I really expect is I think this is probably – you know, the week we really need the offense to break out. I don't think it's going to be a shootout because I think athletically we're so much superior on defense that once we kind of figure out how they want, they're wanting to attack us, that Zach Arnett will adjust. That's not to say they won't score a couple touchdowns early. I'm not going to sit here and say that. We're not going to go up there and shut Memphis out. I'll be absolutely shocked, you know, if we keep them under 20. I think that would be – that would be, you know, quite an accomplishment, I think. And, you know, you say, well, Steve – you know, we held NC State, you know, to 10. I think this is a little different scenario. But uh, I do expect State to win the game handily. But I also think this is probably a day that we get the offense on track. And, you know, we, we'd laugh a little bit. It was a thread on Gene Spade's message board. Somebody picked the game, I think, 42-17 State. And somebody said, oh, I can't see, you know, 40 points out of this offense. And, you know, well, we scored 35 the first week. So we're just kind of one play away from hitting that number, you know. I do think State will be able to score a lot, assuming we don't turn the football over. That's a big part of things, too. We go out there and have some you know, ball integrity. I think we're going to win this game handily. I think Vegas has us at a three-point favorite. I think that is probably a little bit conservative, but I think that's really more about Mississippi State. They just don't have a lot of confidence in Mississippi State at this point, and many of our fans feel that way, too. I can't say I'm overly confident. But I do expect to go over here and win this ball game, and I think State wins it. And I think in the end, especially when we get to that fourth quarter, we mentioned how they've kind of, kind of ground down a little bit, I guess, in the second half. We've got to survive that initial punch. You know, we get into the locker room with a lead at halftime, maybe by a touchdown or more. I think it could, I think it could get ugly. But I also think Memphis is a team that's very, very much capable of staying in the ball game with us. You just need the difference in the strength and conditioning and the recruiting rankings to take over sooner rather than later. I also want to share with you guys, too, we uh, we did get wide receiver Makai Polk in uh, media opportunity on Tuesday evening. You can say, well, still, it's not a big deal. Well, you know, remember he took that big shot uh, in the end zone. You know, Will Rogers overthrew him, and uh, while he's extended, he gets hit pretty good in the ribs by Engel and had to be helped from the field. But uh, he said that he just had the wind knocked out of him, and he's good to go. And so I know that's a relief for some of you guys because we don't get, you know, the full injury report from Mike Leach. And I, and I understand why he does it, but I know it's frustrating, you know, for you guys as it is for us as well. Makai Polk expected to be full go this weekend against the University of Memphis. Now, Brandon and Wee's situation is a little different. You know, I've asked, I've even asked privately, and, you know, it's like we just got to see how he goes. You know, you got to see how he does this week. You, you may recall that he uh, walked off the field kind of grabbing his hamstring after a kickoff. I believe that's correct kickoff and uh and so the second half you know scott goodman and uh you know mccord handled the kicking and so that's not to say that we're not capable of 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 winning without brandon Ruiz, but he is the number one kicker for a reason you know you'd like to have your best guy out there and so just don't know at this point will likely be a game time decision i would suspect you know unless it's a little more serious than uh than we think but it's just a matter of him receiving treatment this week and kind of working through the process. But that's the great thing is your former kickoff guy is your backup guy and Scott Goodman. And he was a guy that consistently hit uh, touchbacks as well. So it's not like there's a big drop-off in that respect. Uh, but, you know, McCord's a guy who kicked his first collegiate field goal last weekend. Congratulations to him. 
But I think we're going to be in good hands either way. But, again, I'd like to have our number one guy, especially if he's healthy. If he's not healthy, then give him a week and you know, maybe we can figure it out this week. You know, we got LSU uh, next week. But this is an important game for us because it is the next game, but also, too, it is a winnable game and one that we're likely going to need to get bowl eligibility. Like last week was a toss-up. We win that game. And so you don't want to lose any progress. You don't want to lose what you gained by dropping a game this week. But I do expect State to win the game. We'll talk more about that on Friday. Time for your Mississippi State Legends segment brought to you by Portico. Our good friend Brooks Bryan and the folks at Portico doing a great job. Doing a great job bringing great residential development here to Starkville, Mississippi. I know everybody that's listening to the show, I know you love Mississippi State. You love Starkville. You probably considered making Starkville your home again. Or maybe you live in the greater uh, Starkville area and you consider making a move. Portico is the move. If I was moving to Starkville now, it's where I would move. There's no question about it. I love living out here in the sticks. Got plenty of room for my dogs to roam and have a good time and sort of stuff. But uh, at the end of the day, too, I'd like the convenience of being closer to campus. Just 1.1 miles from campus is what Portico is. Very easy to find. You come off 82 onto 12, like going to campus. The very first right, Pat Station Road, that'll take you to Portico. It's close enough you can run to campus. It's close enough your friends are going to want to come by and park at your place in pregame because you're going to be on the backside of campus. You won't have to fight all that traffic, that game day traffic, coming in from 12 off 25. You're also on the convenience side because you can go out there and get to 85, excuse me, get to 82 and, and then over to the bypass to get to the big Walmart, right, over on 12. So two-bedroom, two-bath home, up to a four-bedroom, four-bath home, a great place to live, and you're doing business with people of character. That's one of the things that when you're buying your home and you're making that kind of investment, the last thing you want, somebody's going to cut corners. It's not going to be the case with our fine friends at Portico. Give Brooks Bryan a call today. Brooks, former Diamond Dog outfielder, was a big part of the reason we went to Omaha back-to-back years, 97-98. So, listen, this guy loves Mississippi State. He loves Bulldog people. Not going to do you wrong. 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, today's Bulldog legend is a former running back, Odie Burrell. You can say, well, Steve, I've never heard of Odie Burrell. Well, you're, you're aging yourself. Because Odie Burrell was a Mississippi State great. Now, Odie, born in Durant, Mississippi, was a great athlete throughout his high school career, excelled in football and track, ended up playing a couple years football there at Holmes County Junior College back in those days, became an All-American. It's an All-American junior college running back, came to Mississippi State, and had a couple of really good years at State. He ended up being the MVP of the Liberty Bowl in 1963. You recall that. We talked about that game recently, Bill McGuire blocking the punt against NC State. Talked about that last week. Well, Odie Burrell was the MVP of that game. Also the MVP of the Blue-Gray game. I don't, we, don't, we used to play that game, and it was the North versus the South. It's a little different now. But uh, he was the MVP of that game. Was drafted by the Houston Oilers of the AFL. And uh, what's interesting, to kind of go back just a little bit, he was actually drafted by Vince Lombardi of the, the Green Bay Packers, who were kind of dominated football at the time. But the Oilers traded Billy Cannon for him. That's right, Billy Cannon from LSU. He ran back a kickoff 93 yards for a touchdown the very first time he touched the ball as a 
professional player. Really good thing. Outstanding. And so Odie Burrell is a guy, too, that was part of those uh, teams in the early 60s when Mississippi State was really beginning to turn the football program around. Part of that 1963 team, the tied Ole Miss. And Ole Miss was, you know, expected to be exceptionally good that year and compete for a national championship. And uh, the tie was a big part of uh, ensuring that they didn't. But, uh, you know, Odie was part of a great backfield. He and Hole Granger, they were they was incredible players on that team. You go back and you think about, you know, some of the legends that we've had, even though we didn't always have, you know, the greatest win-loss records back in those days. We had some great players that went on and played the National Football League. What's interesting, too, about, you know, Odie Burrell is that uh, he, he was the leading running back at Houston for a while. Pretty outstanding stuff. Now, after his coaching career was, excuse me, his playing career was over, he coached all over Mississippi, even all the way down in Bogalusa, Louisiana, right there across the line, not too far from Angie or Sandy Hook. I don't remember all that is. He was a Stone County Tomcat coach for a while at Van Cleve High School and St. Santa's Loss. Even coached at Holmes Community College and at Perk down at Gulf Coast. Sadly, he died back in 2009 at the age of 69. But a tremendous football player. A guy that made the junior college experience work. You know, there were a lot of players back then because they, you, you had the community in community college back then. And so guys had an opportunity to kind of improve themselves. And so that's what Odie Burrell did. He went to junior college, which was not uncommon at the time. Like, if you didn't get what you want, because it wasn't like it is today where you've got the Internet and all this film. There were a lot of hidden gems in Mississippi especially. And we had the junior college system that kind of gave those guys an, a second opportunity. And Odie Burrell took full advantage, became a Mississippi junior college success story, again, becoming an All-American and uh, actually had some acclaim as a track star also in junior college. And then comes to Mississippi State, part of a couple of really good teams, and um, you know, part of kind of the resurgence, you know, under Bob Tower. It was a uh, pretty, you know, pretty good stretch there. Excuse me, that was Paul Davis. All due respect to Davis family. It's Paul Davis uh, that was the head coach then. And, uh, again, you know, things were you know, kind of – we're kind of getting it going a little bit, I guess. And uh, – you know, we won the Liberty Bowl there in uh, in '63, and then um, then kind of regressed a little bit. You know, we had that great team, of course, in '63, and then a lot of those seniors moved on, many to pro football, and uh, left us with a number 11 ranking. How cool was that? And then uh, had a couple of years after, you know, you know Granger and those guys, uh, you know, moved on. Paul Davis era kind of came to an end. Charlie Shower took over, but Odie Burrell is a guy that uh, we just don't, we don't talk about him a lot. And he was a guy that uh, did some big things here at Mississippi State. So, Odie Burrell, to you and your family, thanks for your contributions uh, to Mississippi State football. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today. We'll be back on Friday. We'll preview the weekend. I was later recording the show than normal. I had some things to take care of. It's just one of those things that happens in life. You know, every time I turn around, there's always things i got to do. And so I look forward to kind of getting some of these things done and uh, being able to uh, to get back to a regular schedule for you guys too. You know, you guys are well aware, you know, my, uh, my wife had surgery here a couple weeks ago just going back to work and so uh, I don't have to get up and bring the kid to school anymore so that's always cool too so I can stay up late hopefully and get these shows up a little bit sooner because what happens is you get up in the morning and you start chasing the day and there's emails and there's phone calls and and a lot of times those calls are just hey what are you doing you know and so uh, I like to get the show done at night so I've got the day in the morning free so I'm do my best to kind of get back uh, to doing them 
uh, at night now that it seems like life is going to calm down just a little bit. We'll have uh, Mississippi State football media opportunity tonight. So we'll have some full coverage later today over on Gene's page and the rest of the week to kind of preview the weekend as the Bulldogs get ready to go to Memphis. There are tickets available. I know many of you are uh, are out there looking for them. I would check the Memphis ticket office first, but I've seen some conversation about some uh, StubHub stuff. The price is a little bit pricey. I know many of you want to be there. We expect a big crowd. We expect a lot of Bulldogs to be there too, but we do expect there to be uh, a very impressive crowd there at the Liberty Bowl. So we'll see. Hopefully we'll see you guys out there looking forward to another big Bulldog win. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.